The norm in photography is you're showing your portfolio around. Sometimes you get a job. Sometimes you're up for it. Sometimes you're you're, you're second or this or that. But but people choosing the photos have their reasons. And if you get feedback, if somebody says, "Oh, we're not using this because," well, maybe listen to that because, and you can you can use that. Uh, so there is sometimes you know a, a time where like, hey, maybe this really isn't working, and you have to move on. But a lot of the time, it's like, okay, wait a second. Uh, maybe this wasn't a good fit. I have to try this publication or this publication, this publication. And if you really believe in the project, normally you'll, you'll find a good home for it. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Mark Edward Harris is an editorial, commercial, travel, and documentary photographer whose assignments have taken him to more than 100 countries on six continents. His editorial work has appeared in publications including Vanity Fair, Life, The New York Times, Time Magazine, Washington Post, National Geographic Traveler, just to name a handful, as well as all the major photography and in-flight magazines. Among his numerous awards include a Clio, Ace, Aurora Gold, and IPA Awards. His book titles include The Way of the Japanese Bath, Wanderlust, North Korea, South Korea, Inside Iran, and his latest, The Travel Photo Essay, Describing a Journey Through Images. This is We Are Photographers with Mark Edward Harris, and this is his story. We originally recorded this episode live on creativelive.com TV. That's our new live stream to inspire, entertain, and connect us all during these quarantine times, coming from the living rooms, kitchens, and home studios of the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. So check out what's playing now on creativelive.com slash TV. Mark, thank you for being here. Thank you, Ken. I, I got confused for a second when you said we're very excited to have. I thought actually you were having somebody else, but I, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that introduction. Great to be here. Uh, first of yeah, first of all, I just want to, um, you know, say a shout out to you, and I hope that you, your loved ones, um, are doing well, um, and we are recording right now um, during these quarantine times, Yeah, and of course, um, connecting here from my home um, to yours, and you're based in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, I'm based in LA, uh, and um, typically I'm gone half the year, and so this is very unusual for me. I, I cannot remember the last time that I I had this long of a stretch here, uh, but I, I'm, I think I'm making good use of it. I'm doing things that I wouldn't normally do. I'm really taking a look at LA with a camera and um, doing a lot of edits and catching up with writing, which I wouldn't do. And I've set up a, a home studio here. Uh, I've got a, a I'm now an ambassador for Stella Lights, and so I figured I better really know the lights more than than the students, and so. I've been uh, working at it. So I'll, I'll move out of the way just for a second. And so there's a couple of setups. And, and so, you know, I've always believed that, um, you know, one door closes and another one opens. Uh, this is an incredibly huge door, you know, like the, the door of a fortification of a, a castle that's closed on all of us. But, but uh, you know, things, if we use things, you know, time the right way, we, we can... I've always believed, you know, try to turn a negative into a positive. And of course, there's families that have lost people during this time and people that are really ill. It's a serious time. But but I do think for, for the masses, we can we can learn from this for sure. Well, I think I appreciate that sentiment because I we've been having a lot of people here on Creative Live TV um, come on and talk sort of during these times. Uh, and it, it is, it's this balance of... Um, uh, of having empathy for 
everything that's happening and all the horrible things that are happening. And then as in life in general, trying to find those, those silver linings uh, as well. So having, and having compassion for ourselves and everybody all around the world. Okay. So orangutan, <laughs> everybody right now, if you are on your computer watching this or on your phone, wherever you are, uh, go to uh, Instagram and check out Mark Edward Harris photo and you'll see the images that uh, some of the things that we're going to be talking about. But you have the cover of Outdoor Photographer magazine with an amazing image of an orangutan uh, in Borneo. And so tell me about not only this cover, but just I want to hear the story of falling in love with orangutans and because you've been working a lot with them yeah i mean i can't say i've dated any so i wouldn't say fallen in love but I, but i really have uh, some close friends might be a bit a safer way to say it I'm, now orangutans are incredible you know there's five great apes and so sometimes when i do workshops i do a test about okay name the five great apes you know and and people get most of them they say okay uh chimpanzees um and uh, orangutans uh but but bonobos is one that tends to slip by. That's not a word you hear so often. And humans are as well. Uh, but I was in Indianapolis of all places, and that's where I really discovered orangutans, which you wouldn't expect. But at the uh, in- International Orangutan Center at the Indiana Zoo or Indianapolis Zoo, they do an incredible program there to, to work with orangutans. Uh, and so uh, as part of a story I was doing on Indianapolis, I f- happened to be there at the opening of the center there and used a technique using uh, o- strobes to overpower the ambient light and did some, some portraits. And then while I was doing one of them, all of a sudden the orangutan signaled to me to turn the camera around, which, which I know it sounds unbelievable and stuff, but he wanted to see the back. I mean, they have a very high cognitive sense. In fact, uh, much higher than a lot of my friends, to be honest with you. But uh, but I turned the camera around uh, and showed uh, the photo, and he sort of looked at it. And, and for those that think, oh, that's really questionable, there is a video on YouTube of a woman who had uh, burns. I don't know if you've seen that one. And she actually, uh, the orangutan, uh, uh, had her circle around and show the the burn on her on her shoulder and her back and so that can be tracked down uh so, so their uh their awareness of, of things their, their their compassion seeming compassion was just really something so i shot that got a good reaction to those photos started going to other places in the states and then in singapore japan where they had orangutans and places that i could shoot using some lighting techniques uh, and then because of that and, and that series winning some awards I was asked to go to Borneo to help out with the, Borne- the Bornean Orangutan Survival Foundation, which I did do. And so that photo on the cover of, uh, of Outdoor Photographer, which is coming out very soon, uh, is a shot from that first trip. I've, I've been back since to Borneo, to the Malaysian side. That was on the Indonesian side. And to see them in the wild and then to also work with them uh, when they were being... Um, cared for so they could be returned to the wild uh, was really an incredible um, experience. I mean, one of the experiences is when I was working with ones that have, um, that lost their, their parents or particularly their mom, they don't really hang out with their dads. Their dads sort of go their own way. Uh, but with their mothers, they tend to be with them from seven to nine, up to seven to nine years, but they lose them because uh, uh, of deforestation and sometimes the mothers are killed. And so we have all these orphans. They're being raised, so hopefully to go in, into the wild either for the first time or be reintroduced. Um, and so I, that whole thing really just struck a nerve. And so I started doing my homework, reading books, uh, going back and shooting it. So I expect that to be uh, one of my next book projects to hopefully bring awareness to uh what's going on with deforestation, the palm oil issues. It's not as black and white as palm oil's bad. This is that because palm oil's needed. Different types of oils are needed. If you don't use palm oil, use another oil that could be even more uh, destructive to the environment. So there's a lot of issues. People need to look into that instead of a blanket statement. But uh, so there's a, a, a long answer to a short question, but that's all. 
No, I mean, I, they're, it's, they're so beautiful. Thank and you. I was curious about the difference in photographing them in the wild yep. uh, ver- versus the portrait series that you have again, where it's, it, they're like, you're, I mean, full face, like it's a human being, oh, yeah. uh, the, the way that you connect with them in the eyes oh, yeah. and, you know, seeing them into their soul and you photo, you photograph humans and people so, as well. Right. Uh, and so what, what are those similarities in the portrait experience? Well, we're, we're fellow great apes and, and we, um, so, so the approach is roughly the same. Uh, for the orangutans in captiv- captivity, they're much more aware of people and used to it. Uh, to do that same thing uh, at at the uh, at Boss at the Borneo Orangutan Survival Foundation, uh, the orangutans did their their own thing much more. Uh, we're not so cooperative necessarily, necessarily. And also, I couldn't use strobes there, so I used some Stella lights, and I've now fallen in love with these 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 continuous lights rather than than strobes. Uh, but the ones like for the cover of Outdoor Photographer, that that's just with a long lens. Um, I carried a 300 and a 500. Uh, I have Nikon D850s, mostly I'm using, and I tried out the D7, which is a great camera. And so those are just reportage documentary shots of what's going on. Uh, for the portraits, I carry a portable backdrop. Uh, and I do wait for that decisive moment when there's eye contact, when it seems to portray uh, something when there's a connection and, and there, there really is, it would be fascinating. And someday maybe there'll be the technology to really know what's going on. There are cognitive studies going on in, at the Indianapolis orangutan center. Uh, and they actually have games where we're playing tic-tac-toe and, and, uh, and recognition of objects and they'll beat us hands down anytime. Uh, it's it's really an incredible thing, and so so you know what's the key for uh, actual communication back and forth, a true conversation? You know, um, uh, someday that would be unlocked, and that would be fascinating. I hadn't really thought about it in yeah, that yeah. way before, because you know that yes, they can do these certain tasks that show you know the the cognitive understanding, right. but then to actually have further conversations or such it will happen well in northern california happen. you know they, they had the um the gorilla who's the fifth and not in that order yes. but the uh, a great ape and um there was communication back and forth there um but yeah it would really be amazing to see at a deep level what what they would say i mean some of them might be bad it might not be for the general audience to hear what they have to say about how animals have been you know, treated, but oh, true. yeah, true. but but uh, yeah, the, the the situation with uh, orangutans in a wild in Borneo. There's only two places uh, in the world where Borneos can still be seen in a wild, and, and that's Sumatra and Borneo. Uh, I just in January was in Australia after the bushfires and photographing there, and so I do take on uh, issues with animals uh, when it feels right or if it's assigned by a, a publication because they really don't have voices for themselves uh and so um it, it take it, us to us take us to australia uh what was that experience for you and can you tell us a story about like you said uh, experiencing what happened i mean to m- millions of animals it was devastating. It was, it was devastating. And in I went to Kangaroo Island because I've always, just like when I teach workshops, I talk about you can't just go to an editor and say, uh, oh, I'm going to do a story on France or I'm going to do a story on Germany or Japan or whatever. You have to get more in. The more you get into a story, just like I did a book on Japanese hot springs called The Way of the Japanese Bath. I didn't do a story on Japan. It's too broad. Did a, did a book on North Korea because it's so far off the radar that I could. So so when it came to to Australia, instead of just taking on Australia effect, uh, you know, of the wildfires, I picked an island that in particular had an issue, and that was Kangaroo Island. And on Kangaroo Island, um, they, they they estimate up to eighty to ninety percent of the koalas were killed by the wildfires, and. Um, to go through there, I walked down this one road, um, which I sort of referred to as, as, as the Valley of Death. It, it was unbelievable. One 
animal after another that had been um, just, you know, burned to death by the the fires. Uh, they had no place uh, to go. Um, you know, fires are, bushfires are a part of the natural cycle of, of fires. But what happens is, uh, you know, through planting, you know, trees for, for, you know, tree farms in effect, other things, and then trying to avoid fires, if they're not constantly cleared, things can build up and, and then you get a catastrophic fire rather than the annual, you know, or, or every so often a smaller fire. And so, uh, but I did see amazing work being done at the uh, Kangaroo um, Island uh, Nature Park, I believe it was called, but people are really doing amazing, amazing things, volunteers working to save the animals that were being brought in and they were being cared for in an incredible way. One of the amazing things about Kangaroo Island is about a hundred years ago, they had sort of a Noah's Ark where they brought um, uh, koalas from the mainland to the island uh, because they were being hunted for their pelts. And so they had them there. And then there was a huge chlamydia outbreak with, with the koalas, but they didn't have it on Kangaroo Island. So all of a sudden you have this population that's pure... Uh, that that doesn't have that in, in another medical issue, and so then they f they were trying to figure out a way is let's let's get some of these koalas now back to the mainland, but keep them in quarantine, so we'll always have a population of chlamydia free um, uh, koalas. Um, contraceptives are not an option, evidently, but that's another story. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about that either. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting point that you make about when you're approaching to tell a story mm -hmm. uh, that you you want to tell something maybe that's you, you need to get to that niche of the story, right. or a certain angle of the story, right. yet then to tell sort of a universal uh, or perhaps much bigger story through a small story, if that makes sense. Oh, no. And it, so it's great. I, Go ahead. Well, no, no, you mean it makes perfect sense. That's that's exactly right. And there there are times, just like Eve Arnold, who is a great photographer for Magnum Photos, she um, always, you know, she said either you're overwhelmed with work or you're sitting around for the phone to ring. So she looked for long term projects to do to keep herself safe, and which is good to this day to have that that approach. And so she did a book called In China because at that time China was not open to the West, and so she took something on like that. Now you would not want to take on that for one photographer to take on China. It's just too diverse. It's too seen. So, so when I did a book on Iran, when I did a book on North Korea, that's relatively not seen uh, in the West. And so, uh, but as I said, when I did a book on on Japan, I picked something like like Jody Cobb for National Geographic did a great thing on geisha, and then, but really went deep where she went first with the the, the Maiko, which are, are the the, um, the geisha in training, and, and she really went deep and went through that. For my Way of the Japanese Bath series, it was something that was so much a part of Japanese culture, but a little bit off the, the, the beaten path. Uh, in order to do that, I mean, my ex-wife, still one of my best friends, is, is Japanese, and so that was very helpful, obviously. But I've, I've, I've worked very hard to learn uh, Japanese, uh, and, uh, and, and because of that, I was able to uh, get in and, and, and explain basically to people like, uh, you know, I'm doing this photo series. Do you mind if I shoot? Because I wanted to shoot reality as I was seeing it and not say, okay, pose, do this or that, do this or that. And, and so, but I would have to sometimes explain this, you know, why is this guy Jin walking around with a, you know, a camera and a fundoshi and a, oh, not, not a fundoshi, but a tenagui. Fundoshi is sort of like the samurai, uh, not samurai, but the um, the sumo underwear. Not that I oh. not not that I don't have that, but but um, but the tenagui is a, is a towel that you use. And so, so they're absolutely stunning. So many, you know, the black and white images, uh, and sort of this combination of humans with the natural landscape that you can see through the windows, mm -hmm. and 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 I did read you something you said uh, that was there are few places on earth as magical as Japan. Oh, that's for sure. And so. What what is it about a Japan to you? But what was it that drew you to that particular story so much to or or concept so much to publish a book um, with the best? 
I, first, and maybe growing up, you know, I grew up in, in Tiburon and my dad worked for KCBS. And so that's up in the Bay Area. And, you know, so we're exposed to a lot of Asian culture. We used to go to Chinatown all the time for dinner and, you know, and to, you know, to, to the park, Japan, where there was a tea house. So maybe that had an a, effect on me. I did martial arts growing up and, and to this day, it's still part of me. I, so I think the whole Asian culture and also living in L.A., of course, we have that, you know, um, so that that might be part of it, but but I love the aesthetic, I love the discipline, um, and but then in the early '90s I went to Beppu, which is on the southern island of Kyushu, a very famous town for for hot springs, and that was just fortuitous. That was not really planned. A friend of mine said, "Oh, we should go, you know, for the hot springs." I said, "Okay," and then I did some photos there, and I just fell in love with it. Just just the you know, the the different usages of, of, of natural hot spring water. I mean, it, it's sort of like golf courses. Every single golf course is different. And so every single bath is different. And the way that they present the water, sometimes with a cascade bath, uh, often it's in nature. I mean, the most mag- magical thing is to have, uh, to, to be in a hot spring with a view, with a winter view, with snow. Um, th- that is really something to do and then in japan you're actually allowed to drink sake in 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 um in hot springs and so there's something called yukimi sake which is which is snow viewing while drinking sake that's a great combination so we're here if you take you know liquor in, into a hot tub here you get kicked out if you don't bring it in there you get kicked out so a little, little difference there but it's so visually stunning um, and the steam, and that's also another thing why I particularly like to shoot hot springs in winter, is the steam hitting the cold air uh, creates this amazing surrealistic vapor uh, that is stunning. And I, th- I think the Japanese awareness, you know, of you know, they talk about wabi sabi and all that sort of thing. You know, the the appreciation of the passage of time and that its effect on on things. Um, is, is, is really magnificent and they really do have it down literally to an art. So true. And it, it just, everything about that series is just, is really beautiful. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, uh, well, I want to, Oh, go oh and it's been going on for, for many years. So that first, it started in 1992. The first book came out, I think around 2003, then the second edition, 2009. Uh, the latest one just came out a couple of uh, months ago and they have it through Amazon. So there's a shameless plug. Um, but it, it's so I keep adding to it, but I, I continue, even though now I'm using digital cameras, I'm still converting it to black and white. There is something, you know, black and white, just by its very nature, makes something surreal. And then if, if the imagery you're creating with it is already surreal, then it really takes it to another another place. So uh, now I'm because I'm very curious as to talk about North Korea, yeah. uh, because like you said, there are not many bodies of work out there necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, um, or people have spent a lot of time. And so uh, tell us about how you approach this project. Just tell us all. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I tend to uh not try to see things as black and white, uh, except for, you know, I'm shooting the baths or something else, literally in black and white. But but in terms of political things, I don't necessarily see things as good and bad, right and wrong. A lot of things, you know, there are cases like that. Uh, but but most things, you know, are, are variations that, that not everything's all bad, not everything's all good. Uh and so there's a lot of complications, of course, with North Korea and it's a totalitarian, totalitarian regime and all that. But we have to look at how we got there in the first place. We just can't say, oh, they're bad. They're the hermit kingdom or whatever. Well, first of all, the whole uh, peninsula was the hermit kingdom. It was not um, just North Korea. I mean, North Korea was not an entity uh, until after the Second World War when it was divided between um you know, Russia and the allies, uh, rest of the allies. And so we have to look at the big picture. How did we get there in the first place? And it was the opium wars in, in neighboring China in the 1800s that got the Korean Peninsula to say, hey, we don't want a part of that. And then, you know, we, we pried the doors open. We, we saw what happened. Obviously, same thing in Japan, you know, in, you know, in the late 1800s, uh, you know, Commodore Perry prying the doors open. Uh, and so that's where the route started. And then, 
you know, by 1917, Japan was colonized uh, and annexed by the Japanese. And then, um, you know, instead of the Koreans immediately getting their country back in 1945 at the end of World War II, uh, it was divided up into zones of occupation, which unfortunately then solidified and the Cold War was basically fought and turned into a hot war in 1950 to 53. Uh, so we have to see... Uh, so that, that's why, uh, and, and my bachelor's is in history, my master's is a combination of history and other things. And so, so a lot of the stories I do, just like with Korea, I, I try to see things in that bigger picture. It's not like, oh, how did this guy get there? Well, I think I have a fairly decent idea of how he got there and, and the whys. And, not, and once again, not justifying it, because sometimes when somebody hears if there's anything good about that place, oh, whether it's, you know, just like when, when Bernie Sanders said that, that Cuba has, you know, a good school system. It's like, oh, they, how can they, you know, or, or China or, or has whatever. Doesn't mean I'd want to live there. Doesn't mean, divide, you know, but, but I think we have to look at the, the bigger picture to really find solutions. Um, and, and people are, I mean, people are people. And people are people. It's, it's, you, you have to distinguish between a government and, and, humans who have uh, become in a certain place without intention necessarily and and humans are human so what did you learn about humanity through the people you interacted with in north korea uh, and Ken, right that's exactly right humans are humans and that's what i tend to look for is daily life no matter where we are and people do try to get the, the most out of daily life no matter what situation it's in, and so it, in Korea, it's the same thing. And, and and one of the surprising things is just how much more aware of the outside they are than we give them credit for. One of the reasons is because when the Soviet Union broke up, and it just became Russia, and it became you know very entrepreneurial and, and commercial, uh, they never turned off the TVs channels because they have very limited access to the outside world in terms of TV and all that. And so they still they see commercials coming in from Russia. I went to an international film festival. It didn't have U.S. films, but they had British films, lots of Chinese films, Indian films, Russian films. And so they see the outside world. They know where they have issues. So they're much more aware. But but you see kids walking to school, uh, laughing, uh, not being afraid to walk on the streets as if anything's going to happen to them. And, and we're talking about now 10 trips for me there to, to seven of the nine provinces, and I believe there's nine there. So I've been throughout the country. Not everything's staged for me. Sometimes people say, oh, well, it must be staged. You must know you're coming. Well, okay, so here's, you know, eight foreigners going through the country. You you, you can't stage, you know, maybe Pyongyang is the show uh, city, and that's true. But the daily life we see on a daily basis. Now, there are many frustrations in terms of shooting, because really your guides are tasked with basically taking you from from one statue to another, one memorial to another. And you're seeing all these amazing things along the way. You know, they don't want you to photograph poverty and all that. But the more they get to know you and, and the more uh, they feel comfortable that you're just not out to get them, the more relaxed you can, um, you know, become. And then you, then you start getting the images that you really, you know, want to get to give you, to give the bigger picture, to tell the bigger story. And I think from those 10 uh, trips at two books. The second one being just the North Korea book, which won uh, IPA Book of the Year. Very quickly, uh, big plug there for the for the book. But that's that that's something that I really feel um, uh, strongly about. And, and I think that a lot of wars, you know, happen and, and violence because because we, we have this us and them mentality. And for whatever reason, you know, even though I'm a huge sports person, I've played sports all my life. I really enjoyed the game and, and, and not the the winning particularly. So I don't feel this need to say, hey, we're number one or or this or that. And I, I think that instinctive, uh, in fact, there's an amazing book I would recommend to people um, called The Lessons of History by Will and Ariel Durant, uh, which is a very short book, uh, but it really sort of sums up, I think, the, the, the big picture of humanity and the human condition. Tell me more. Well, what did you take well, away from Well, that? one of the things about the book, they talk about in the 5,000 years of written human history, uh, there's only been a handful of years where there was no war. So they concluded that this is how men, um, and that could stand for men and women, but 
it does tend to be more men, uh, you know, settle conflict. And so fortunately now we do have sports and other ways to, to sort of vent that very deep human um, nature in, in a more positive way. But then when, when you see, you know, people getting the fights over like, you know, oh, somebody's wearing, you know, the, the Denver Broncos color, you know, and you want to get into a fight over that. Well, that's pretty sad. But that is that same base that, that creates, you know, wars and things, that, that need for that, that tribal thing. And so I think we have to be careful about um, that too much. It's like, yes, yeah, celebrate your team, you know, have, you know, you know, I like the Dodgers. I grew up a Dodger fan, but, you know, as long as, you know, if another team wins a World Series, that's fine. I mean, as long as it's not the Giants, obviously, but um, now I'm joking about that. I love the Giants, so. But, yeah. Are you dropping dropping these names in for our uh, production team here at Creative Live? Well, I don't know because one of them was wearing a St. Louis uh, outfit. And he lives in Washington. I'm not getting that. I mean, I, I need to see a Seahawks, uh, you know, or a Mariners cap the next time around. I, I that didn't go unnoticed. Let's keep that in mind. No, but but you know, it's, it's a competition that's great. Let's 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 enjoy the competition, you know, and not the 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 winning. Or losing. If everybody does the best they can, well, then that's great. That's what it's all about. And that's one thing that, and I grew up with a father with polio who um, had a very severe case of polio. And he, he actually passed away last year, but but had an amazing Sorry. life. He was amazing, long life. And I really learned so much from him. Just incredible how, how to live life. This is a time right now as we're talking where it's a very challenging time mm -hmm. for everyone. And yet a lot of times through adversity, uh, people grow stronger and all that. So for your father to live that long of a life yeah. with polio, what did you learn from him? Well, if you grow up in a, in a family, and this I think goes for my brother as well, uh, there was never any excuses. Not, not that we had any, but you just do the best uh, you can. It was just automatic. It's like, oh, I couldn't do this because because whatever follows that because doesn't really mean very much. And and if it's a serious enough situation that follows, well, then everybody knows that anyway. But if you couldn't do this because, you know, you, you dropped your hard drive, you did this, you did that, you know, you, your dog needed to walk, and you know, whatever. Those excuses don't mean much. And in, in the professional world, as a professional photographer, if you don't come back with a shot, oh, I couldn't get it because with a famous photo editor, uh, as some of the audience might know, uh, but said um, at National Geographic, uh, we publish pictures, not excuses. And that is is 100% true. And I think that goes, obviously, that could be applied to any sort of work or anything. Just do the job, do the best you can. If there's a serious situation, people will understand that. But just be honest. If but 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 the main and so that's one of the key things I learned from my father for sure, is 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 that uh, and also to have a sense of humor, at the same time. I mean things do happen and people understand. People tend to be compassionate. I mean I you know we all have our own issues and our own Achilles heel, and um, if you let people know, it's like okay they'll try to work with you. You know, you know, with that. And and so, but but really, and, and maybe once again, maybe that's the one thing I, I really enjoy about Asia, particularly is I love that, you know, work ethic. And and so, so it probably comes full circle in, in, in that way, for sure. Mm. I, I, I read something that um, you wrote, uh, if you always succeed, you're not trying. Oh, thank enough. you. God, where did I, and where did I write that? Change the I saw it on Instagram. Okay, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. So, so the strong belief in that that it takes our our failures, quote unquote failures, uh, yeah. to push us forward beyond what we think we can. Oh do. yeah. So, can you tell us about a time when you didn't succeed? Uh, maybe it was a, a again, not that there were excuses, yeah. but. Uh, was there a story you were trying to get and it didn't work out or or just in life in general? Sure. Well, I mean, just just, just to show another example of that sort of thing in, in, a, in a broader, this is when we talk about sports, like, like Barry Bonds could buy, bat a thousand if he wanted to stay down in the minor leagues or, or let's say just play you know a college team his whole life or whatever. But, um, you know, you, you, you go for the big leagues and, and you go for it. And so in photography, uh, 100%, You'll get that. You, uh, 
coming up with ideas that don't work. I would say uh, for my books, you know, trying to get publishers and, and, and um, you know, one passes for whatever reason. And, and so you could be defensive and say, oh, you know, they have no taste or this, but, but, you know, that's, 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 I think, an unfortunate way to take it. They have their own reasons. They have their own concerns. Uh, it probably took me, um, for my first book about other photographers, uh, I don't know, maybe three or four um, publishers until I got the right one. And so I simply accepted, okay, they don't want to do it for whatever reason. I mean, there were logistical things or, or economic things to get rights to other photographers that were going to be an ad. So, so that was a more complicated book. Um, so, so, but all, yeah, all the time, I mean, the norm in photography is you're showing your portfolio around. Sometimes you get a job, sometimes you're up for it. Sometimes you're, you're, you're second or this or that, but, but people choosing the photos have their reasons. Um, so there's probably too many. To, I, I don't know if one really sticks out other than that book. I do remember that, but I think there's too many to listen. But what you do is you simply say, and if you get feedback, if somebody says, oh, we're not using this because, well, maybe listen to that because, and you can you can use that. Uh, so there is sometimes you know, a, a time where like, hey, maybe this really isn't working and you have to move on. But a lot of the time it's like, okay, wait a second. Uh, maybe th this wasn't a good fit. I have to try this publication or this publication this publication. And if you really believe in the project, normally you'll, you'll find a good home for it. What I love about what you're just talking about, it makes me think uh, that also you can't really take a lot of things personally, Yeah, that's a key. Uh, which is a, which is a daily struggle for me, okay. I think. But, but in that sense of you're talking about how, okay, maybe it wasn't, this particular project wasn't right for that particular editor for that magazine yeah, at that moment right. in time. That's right. But it doesn't mean that it's not going to be right for somebody else. And I, I feel like when we just get one no and then we shut down, yeah. that that's, again, where you're not going to completely succeed in what you're trying to do. I, I'm curious for you, because you have had um, such an incredible career, what does success mean to you oh, today? God. And is it, diff is it <laughs> different than what it meant to you when you first started photography? You're asking at such an interesting time. And boy, I'm so many of my friends. I mean, Michelle Valberg, who introduced us, who's such a great photographer, I think I'm sure she's going through it and everybody else. And this is, and, and people working in the travel world, which obviously I, I tend to do a lot too. Boy, success now. That's interesting because, I mean, so many of my workshops have canceled. I mean, the next one we have, and I, can I say for sure? I don't know. But is to Bhutan at the end of September, beginning of October. Everything until then uh, is pretty much canceled. So, so, uh, but I don't necessarily look for outward things to, to say, okay, you're successful because you got this. Um, I mean, I, I definitely feel good that, 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 you know, now I've got eight books out. And so those are tangible things. Uh, I think one of the keys, is, the one thing you don't want is to say, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. And so I really consciously uh, avoid that by actually doing things because it's, 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 it's really the things you don't do you regret for the most part, you know? So, so uh, I think success so far is living a life where I've basically gone for it. And, and I do ask myself the question, uh, which actually I think it's my mother who gave me this question to ask in the first place is, will you regret it if you don't do it? And so most of the time, the answer is yes. Uh, so, so you go for it. I mean, there were times, you know, I went, I did a story um, in Iraq a couple of years ago, and I didn't tell anybody I was going because I didn't want to hear why I shouldn't want to go. Uh, and it was a fascinating experience. Uh, Can you share a story from that experience? Well, it was not a that, that was you that was unique or or unexpected. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was for the New York Times. They were doing something on was it safe to travel uh, to the Kurdish region of Iraq, and, and it really was. I got into one dicey um, thing in into hook in a, in a mall where maybe I was shooting a photo I shouldn't have shot, and, and people started getting it was it got pretty intense. And we had an ama amazing security team that reacted so fast and didn't overreact. 
it, it was incredibly impressive. But but really, it was there again, people just trying to go about their lives, doing the best they could during stressful circumstances. We were there when Mosul was being bombed, which we actually did see from a high precipice. Um, but what's, it's always the same. It's so you know, common people are just trying to do the best they can. They want to take care of the kids. They want to be proud of their kids. They want to see them do well at homework. You know, the first thing is you got to put food on the table, right? So that's always the first concern. But once you get past that, people are not, you know, you know, sitting down constantly, you know, looking at the geopolitical map and, oh, we got to do this or that. They're looking about, you know, how did their kids do today at school? Um, and so, yeah, we did go up to uh, one of Hussein's uh, palaces that had been bombed out, you know, to walk through there and to think about the history that had just happened there to to drive to, you know, about 17 kilometers from Mosul, you know, and seeing, you know, what was going on there. And um, but throughout the country, uh just, just, just to, you know, the Peshmerga there are very impressive people, and we got to to meet them there. I mean, there's so so that was uh, something, you know. I mean, even in LA right now, you know, I'm doing this naked Hollywood um, photo essay, uh, which which because you know you were from down here, you noticed one of the images from Pink's, which is closed up right now, and I waited for the extra element of uh, of a woman walking through, carrying a bunch of toilet paper and wearing a mask. Um, so, so, so you can whether it's Iraq or LA or anywhere else. There's always stories to be told, but I, I do think it, 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 you have to have a combination of an active mind and then no mind to use this sort of a meditative thing. You have to have both at the same time, and I, and I think that um, my ex-wife never accused me of thinking too much, and so I think I got that first part down. Pretty well. Actually, she, she's amazing. I got to say that she's back in Japan. She's a tea master. Anybody goes to Japan, send me an email. You've got to take her workshop. Shameless plug. I I will take you up on that. And I drink green I, tea every I, day, by the way, because of that. She makes the most amazing green tea. I start every morning with, with, with matcha powder and I, I feel great. So that that's actually, you know, and, so, and I'm doing Qigong. So what am I doing now? Because we talked about this earlier during this period. Um, you know, I go to the gym every day when I'm in L.A., but of course that closed up because of, of this. And so fortuitously, and you never know really how things happen exactly, but I, I put it out into the universe. I got these uh, DVDs on Qigong and Tai Chi, and I had done Tai Chi years ago, but I hadn't done Qigong. And now every morning I start the day, besides this banana green tea shake, I do Qigong, which is this incredible, you know, movement series for, that's similar to Tai Chi, Every single day, um, I mean, we've got to keep ourselves physically and mentally active. It's amazing what you're doing, and so many other people are doing online now with classes. I'm an active participant in, in them. Uh, I'm, I'm doing six days a week, four Japanese, two China, two Mandarin uh, language studies, one on one. Uh, I'm doing the lighting here with the Stella Lights in the studio. So I think there's so much you can. Uh, you can do and, and turn a negative into a positive. You know, obviously there's huge economic concerns and I'm part of that for sure. But I, I think we can, you, you know, the one thing we all have is time and when it's gone, it's gone. And so I don't think this is a time to sit around and just wait for this to be over. I think it's a time to use to, to explore and, and use the time as best we can. I think that there's so many interesting things about time mm -hmm. right now that we're all experiencing because like you, you were describing earlier what it means to be fully present. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're photographing or you're looking to be in the zone right. to tell stories and what have you. And right now people don't know what day of the week it is. You don't know what time of day it is. And so time has become this very fluid, odd thing. And that, reminds us that we've kind of constructed what time means to us as a culture. Yeah. And so there is so much going back to, you know, with, with the practice of Qigong or yeah. meditation or all these mm -hmm. things of, of getting you to presence, mm -hmm. which that is the being uh, that the, just having an experience. So what does Qigong do for you uh, from an, a, 
physical, emotional, um, neurological standpoint. Yeah. Well, I, and, and you said it so right on because I really do have a, a problem, you know, sometimes with anxiety and being, you know, out there sort of in, in the clouds a little bit. And I think it helps grounds me just like I love golf. Golf is active meditation, same thing, you know, hiking. I love getting out. I, you know, I, I think one of the weird things about being in North Korea is I feel so present when I'm there. I, I kind of like being in what other people consider somewhat stressful situations because it feels like, well, that's more the norm for me, you know, and because it's that baseline anxiety that, you know, other people would have, but I'm normally there. And, but, and I do, I know Qigong, I don't think I know that, that it's giving me, first of all, it's it's so much more than just you know getting a good stretch stress and getting the chi to flow through your body and all that sort of stuff but it, it it's it's just really you know grounding me uh and and it's a, it's something you could do at home in a, in a very very small space and i i but i think we all can find you know things like that i think the one thing we can't do and it and a lot of people do is sit there and watch the news all the time, you know, to watch, uh, you know, the town hall on coronavirus. Yes, we do have to be aware of what's going on. And and, and, and I'm acutely aware of that. And and we have to play by the rules. I, I think it's amazing what California, I know California is not teaming up with your state and, and Oregon. Um, you know, we have to listen to, to the governors and say, you know, stay at home. You know, we, we pay a bit of a price now uh, and, and we'll get a much bigger payoff later. And so, um, so, but when we're at home, when we're doing things, I think we can, can, can really focus in on things we need to do. And like, there's other, you know, obviously, you know, creative life has so many amazing classes. There's places like Coursera, other places. This could be a really a, a time for, for growth. Uh, and, um, it, it's very exciting. I mean, just what's again, unfortunately, the one thing that we have to really all be concerned about is the economics of it. But but this will pass. Everything else does. Uh, it's amazing to look back in history to see, you know, what happened 1917, 18 with the pandemic there. I mean, look at the tools they had then are nothing compared to now, but yet they were able to pretty much track it to see who was doing what. I, I, I then took the opportunity to look at Typhoid Mary to see what happened to her. And she wasn't part of you know, that was a typhoid breakout. That wasn't, you know, what they had, the Spanish flu. But but um, to look how they tracked her down and how she interfaced, I think, with 51 people she got infected. I mean, look at the tools they had then. We have the most amazing tools in the world now to, to, to figure out, you know, what's going on. So we will get through this for sure, as long as we all cooperate. And that's the one thing I see when I go out and, and I shoot is the amazing cooperation. It's, it's unbelievable that you see, I drive up La Brea, I see people staying six far, six, six, well, that's about 40, six feet apart at, 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 at Trader Joe's. I mean, that's incredible that people really are taking it upon themselves to be part of the solution. I mean, that, that's amazing. That's it, so impressive. But then, of course, I'm also focusing on the homeless people, you know, and, and they don't have much of a choice. So we have serious issues, and Governor Newsom today was talking about that. That we can't, we can't just get back to status quo once we get past this. We got to learn from this and figure out well, how can we make a better situation, you know, out of this. And and one of the things I, I do want to not to get too political or whatever, but um, you know, many years ago, a lot of the uh, mental institutions were closed down uh, and, and putting people on the street. I don't think that's doing anybody any good. I think we should revisit that people need to be housed properly and, and taken care of. Uh, sleeping under overpasses is not a solution. Um, you know, oh, they got freedom so they can sleep under overpass. Well, the, the people I have seen in the last couple of weeks doing this series need some serious intervention. It, it's, it's just beyond belief. Um, and and if listeners aren't familiar with Los Angeles has one of the largest homeless populations um and of course right a lot of uh, being uh, people experiencing homelessness is not a uh, a clear issue I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many issues involved like you said in terms of mental health and um addiction and things and just situationally um 
I've I've spoken I've had people on the podcast who were previously homeless wow. and it's any of us could get there. Yeah. And you don't realize that and until it's times like now where I think so many people are with a, another economic crisis but so many people are realizing it's kind of equalizing a number of things, not everything, uh, but we're experiencing things that we didn't think we would. Uh, oh, for sure, for sure, and, and and these people have really skidded to the to, to the very bottom, for sure. But what's interesting about Hollywood, why I'm choosing Hollywood, is because usually they're cloaked with all the tourists coming in and overrun. But now, you know, that they've disappeared, that's all you have left. You have barren streets and these people that are, are just in such desperate need. Now, now people, of course, you know, it's a complicated thing. Some people have to, you know, they're there because of not taking personal responsibility. Others, because, you know, things have just slipped out of hand. Uh, and then others have serious mental issues. And then, of course, you know, drugs and so all of this. And so, uh, I, I don't know, it's a number 80. You, you, probably your your listeners would know more than me, but I thought it was 80 something thousand now, insane, or San Francisco. You know, do, do you just give people a bunch of tents and here, go sleep, you know, out on the streets? Is that a solution? I, I don't I don't think so. But I, I do think that people that are in power now, this, this, I was not particularly aware of our governor at all, Governor Newsom, or, 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 or uh, our mayor here in L.A. And the one in San Francisco, I can't speak uh, about the mayor there, but um I think that people are in power now really uh, in California are really working hard to, to do something. And so um, maybe this is a call to arms for that as well. I, I do have a final question okay. for you, Mark. And that is you, you do, you have a book, mm -hmm. uh, the travel photo essay describing a journey through images. So bringing it back around to photography, people at home, mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a time when I know a lot of people are going through and culling images, editing images that they may have put aside yeah. for a long time. So I, can you, through writing that book or, or what have you, can you give people some tips about uh, how you tell, how you how you describe a journey through images? How do you take go through a body of work and create an actual sort of essay out of that versus standalone images? Right. Well, I mean, if you take sort of, you know, just this is the Japanese book. If you take that from uh, as, as what I did with Japan, it is you look you, you you delve in and you don't try to tell the whole big picture. As Eve Arnold said within China, she had so much success with that. She then tried to, the publisher said, well, let's do the same thing in America. And it was a disaster, according to her. Uh, it was just too broad. People knew it too well. I mean, you had Robert Frank who did the Americans, but but that, that was not trying to show every state. Um, for, 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 for the book on the travel photo essay, uh, I really break it down and, and I say uh, location is not a story. And as I said, North Korea is an exception, uh, you know, or when Eve Arnold did in China, uh, but to really break down and also what do you know? What's, what's, what, what, what are you an expert at? Everybody has things that they're particularly good at. Uh, my friend, Nahoko Spice is an amazing fashion photographer, but she was really struggling in Japan. She was an editor for uh, magazines there. So she flew over to Paris and started working there. And so her combination of being such an expert uh, in, in, in the fashion field um, uh, gave her an edge there. She also knew design. Um, uh, Michelle Valberg, who I mentioned before, her expertise on really knowing Canada and the indigenous people up there. Uh, so always look in before you look out. Actually, uh, Annie Leibovitz said the same thing to me. You don't have to run around the world to uh, to, to find stories. They're really in our own backyard. Uh, now, I tend to run around the world for stories. I happen to love that, but there are stories here. And, and so this uh, so I've, this this situation has given me an opportunity to practice what I preach and, sh and find something locally. But we can do it much closer to home. I mean, look through what you have. Take images you uh, and, and make one-off books. And there's an excellent company like Blurb B-L-U-R-B. There's also A&I. Lots of good books. Compile your images. In fact, I wish I could give homework to everybody out there. Do something on a recent trip you had. Or if you love cooking, do, 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 a, do a cookbook. 
And those could be great, you know, presents for the holidays or whatever. In other words, you don't have to leave your house to create these interesting books and you'll get it in the mail in a week or two. So I would highly recommend that. But but do be focused. Don't be too broad. That's really the key to, to a successful presentation of anything. Well, there you go, everyone. You do have your homework. You have homework, yeah. And I'll grade it. <laughs> and I, there you go. Uh, speaking of that, uh, where can people follow you? I want to make sure people can connect with you, find your books, follow you on Instagram. Where sort of the central hubs people can go? Well, I'm a very late bloomer to Instagram, but I've learned to to love it. And uh, I was late because of, of doing a lot of work in Iran and, and North Korea. Um, but it, it's at Mark Edward Harris photo. So that's my Instagram, Mark Edward Harris photo. My my website is simply just my name, markedwardharris.com. Dot com is not part of my name, but I think your, your listeners can figure that one out for sure. Um, and I do workshops. And so the workshops are also listed you know, on my website. And I love teaching. We do this photo floating, photo floating workshop uh, on river cruises, which um, we had one uh, that was scheduled for end of March in Venice, Italy. That didn't happen. I, I couldn't have picked two worst things, Italy and on a ship. But we're going to start that up again next year. I truly believe in them. I've done nine, the the, the most enjoyable things to do uh, in the world. And, and um, we will get through this. And I think if we use the time, let's not waste four months of our lives just waiting for this to get over. Let's use the time. And there's so much. We are so fortunate. And I've thought about this before, just like what we're doing. Just imagine what three decades ago, we could not be doing what we're doing. Now we're able to, 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 to you know, learn through, uh, you know, the web, do all these amazing, you know, classes and things. And so, you know, to say it's coming at a fortuitous time uh, might be stretching it, but definitely we can use the tools uh, you know, I've learned so much. I mean, just, you know, hearing your uh, podcast the other day with some of my, you know, friends talking photography, I learned a lot that I didn't know about them and I've known them for years. So, so it just shows you, you know, just, just endless knowledge out there. There is endless knowledge out there. For sure. And like you said, when you can be intentional about seeking it out uh, and dedicate that time to yourself, it's your, it's your choice to do so. That's for sure. Um, Beautiful sentiments. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. And I do want to give a shout out to Michelle Valberg, who introduced us. That's right. I very much appreciate it. She's she's watching, listening as well. Said hello. Thank you. Uh, But uh, I just, as a fellow traveler, uh, travel travel photographer, uh, I was in Bhutan. How were you? Good. Yes. I mean, incredible place, incredible people. And... Uh, and and so I just really appreciate all the work that you've done uh, to tell stories over your entire career. I mean, it's a lot of people here like, oh, you traveled to 100 countries. How lucky. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work. Well, and also it's funny <laughs> and, you should say that. I got to say that word luck. Uh, I, I, I use the word fortunate. Luck is pure chance. I think we all work too hard. Um that it's just luck, you know, winning the lottery might be luck, but, but, but you getting to Cuba and doing that great work you did there, you, you made that happen. Uh, you know, Michelle getting to, um, you know, towards the North pole and all that, she made that happen. Of course, we're fortunate, hundred percent fortunate. And, and I guess you could say lucky too, in a sense, but really, uh, I think fortunate's a, a better, you know, fit for sure. I see, I have a great friend, Sachiko in Japan, uh, who's done so much, so much amazing work. I mean, she's in law, but but she's able to get herself around the world. She built up such a great thing that she was able to expose her folks to the world. They hadn't traveled internationally. She took them to Switzerland to see the Alps. In other words, we create these things and there's so much more we can create and to continue to create. It's just, um, we're, we're so fortunate to have those, those opportunities. And then of course we have to help those that uh, are less fortunate as well. And I think through teaching, uh, I'm able to, um, and, and through my photo essays, just like with the koalas and things, you know, or the orangutans, they don't have a voice, or at least one that we can understand at this point. So just to bring it full circle. 
Beautiful. Once again, I'm going to sign off and say see you next time. But thank you again to Mark Edward Harris. See you all soon. Thank you, Kenna. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. We originally recorded this episode live on Creative Live TV. That's our new live stream to inspire, entertain, and connect us all during these quarantine times. You can check out what's playing at creativelive.com TV. Follow all things Mark Edward Harris via his website, Mark Edward Harris, and you'll find all his links in the show notes. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com. Check out our creator pass. That's our subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes taught by the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and a five-star review goes a long way. All the episodes are available on creativelive.com podcast as well. You can stay up to date with everything happening on Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. And I'm Kenna Klosterman on IG and Kenna K Photo on Twitter. Send me a message. I would love to connect. And if you like this episode, tell someone about it. Word of mouth is our best way to reach more creators just like you. Thank you again to Mark Edward Harris, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.